and we are live. Yo, what's up everyone and welcome to episode 7 of Coffee and Perspective with Jay Steen. Today I'm going to be speaking to um, a gentleman who I've known for quite some time and he has developed and grown into a sports coach, a athlete and, um, and what I think is fair to say, an uh, entrepreneur. Uh, so please put your hands together virtually for Mr. Corey. <laughs> what's up, dude? How are you? Yo, no, very good, thanks, eh? Good. What's, Pretty uh, you said chilly you, uh, in South Africa, though. Yeah, but you said you just came back from a, a, a swim. You yeah. Training season, or you're always in training season? Yeah, I think obviously with lockdown, I mean, you know, we were pretty much like, yeah, kept in isolation. Um, so we weren't really able to swim and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it has been really cool getting back into the pool. Um, I'm actually swimming out at an estate yeah, in Port Elizabeth. It's called Royalston. It's just outside Boy. PE. Uh, beautiful place. Like, yo, it's a two-lane, 25-meter indoor heated swimming pool. Nice. Um, and it's got double-story gym. Like, yo, it's, it's very, very cool. Like, Good, man. I wouldn't mind living there. <laughs> and also, amongst all this training that you're doing, uh, I've got to say, of course, we're friends on Facebook and that. Um, congratulations on, I can still call it, you're a fairly new parent. Yeah. So how, yeah, I know. How is that? Going on 11, 11 months already, eh? So tomorrow, uh, actually, is 11 months. How has it been? Uh, I know that, okay, obviously, you've had the, the COVID period, so your training wasn't as intense with traveling and whatnot. But... Um, how has it been juggling between how you used to live with, uh, from, a, from a training point of view to, to parenthood? Yeah, I think that like, you know, my, my training has changed like a lot. Um, I am very, very fortunate because we, we've got an amazing support structure. Um, and Carla is also like, yeah, she's incredible. I think she was literally like born to be a mother. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously during lockdown, you know, it's everything has changed for everyone around the world, basically. Um, so it is a little bit different, but, um, you know, for me, when I started getting more like seriously into my coaching and stuff like that, um, my training also kind of like, yeah, took the back seat a little bit. Um, and I've actually been picking up my training again now, like recently, you know, like during lockdown and stuff. Um, so yeah, Carla, she is very, very supportive and like she knows like if I need to wake up in the morning early and get on the bike and, you know, ride with the squad, um, whether it's outdoors or on Swift, then yeah, she, she understands that it's like my job in a sense as well. Um, so yeah, but it, it definitely has been different. Um, but we really have been lucky, Chase, like yo, Bree sleeps like a champion. Um, and he's really, really well behaved as well. So, yeah. Possibly he's just, he's, he's playing it cool now so he can give you... Yeah, that's, honestly, like, that's, that's literally what we're thinking. we like, oh my gosh, what's coming? Like, <laughs> it easy and then... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so, so for those of you watching that are, are not aware, um, Richard, Richard is involved in the triathlon space mainly, from what I'm aware, just correct me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've been speaking as if people know exactly what training you're doing, 
But uh, you got into the, the triathlon space. How did it all start? How did you get into um, triathlon? Or did you maybe start with just running and then you enjoyed yeah. cycling and then you decided to put them all together? Or just give me a brief of how, how did you get into the triathlon space? Mm. Yeah, so I was about, I think, 20 years old. And then um, I used to actually be quite a, a gym junkie. So I used to be in the gym, you know, lifting the weights. And I also played hockey for 14 years and so I was, I was always like very very passionate about sport um and I still am and I always actually wanted to make a living out of sport like that that was my my dream you know um and I just yeah I, you know at that age I, I just came to a little bit of a crossroads and I was like flip you know I actually need a little bit like of a lifestyle change and I think I actually want to get outdoors more and like you know not just spend time indoors in the gym all the time um, so I was very fortunate then to be invited by one of my friends, Gareth Wright, who you know, um, to actually go and marshal at one of the triathlon events here in Port Elizabeth. And yeah, I was just like, whoa, what is this? This, it just looks insane. Um, and I, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, geez, Oaks are like swim, bike and run. And yeah, after that, I was just like really taken aback and I was like, geez, well, you know, let me give it a bash and see how it goes. Um, so I started with something called duathlon, which is run, cycle, run. Um, and I, the reason I started with that was because at the time when I started, it was winter. Um, so there was no swimming races. And then, yeah, like um, I just got hooked and yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I actually won my first race like ever um, that I did. So I was like, okay, well, geez, there might be something there. So let's just explore. Um, and I mean, once that bug get bitten, it was just like, yo, game over. <laughs> so the triathlon in order usually is the swim, then the cycle, then the run, correct? Yeah, swim, right. bike, run. What, I know that you just from prior days used to be pretty strong in the pool um, at swimming. No, well, I mean, that was breaststroke. <laughs> <laughs> what is? Trust me, bro, there's no comparison. And pool, I guess, and not, not the ocean. Um, what at the moment is your strongest, your strongest out of the three, in your opinion? So not according to, yeah. you know, general stats or whatever, but you, what do you feel personally? Not what yeah, I yeah. Mean, what do you feel? No, definitely, definitely my cycling. Um, yeah, my, my cycling is definitely my strength. Yeah. And swimming is my least favorite. Your least favorite or your weakest? I would say, I would say I'm like average at all three, but then my biking is like above the rest. Okay. Um, but the reason why I might do well in races and stuff is because I am average over all three. Sure. So sure. generally what you find is that with athletes, they normally have one or two disciplines that like really struggle. Um, so for me, my, my swimming is not bad and my running is not bad, but my biking is strong. We can make so, a, isn't it also yeah. just, just from my, uh, you know, short periods that I've watched the Ironman and, and all those, you know, the corporate triathlons and all that. Um, isn't it also because the swimming is very weather dependent, no? So yeah, yeah. very much. Yeah. No and people, yo, people get scared eh? like of the sea and sharks. And I mean, especially living here in Port Elizabeth, uh, Nelson Mandela Bay. Um, yo, I mean, 
you know that this is called the Windy City. Yeah. And if the east blows, then yo, the chop is really bad. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it can get quite, quite rough out there. Um, but for me, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm actually a better sea swimmer than what I am a pool swimmer. But why? Because you can feel, you know, what's happening with currents. You can read it somehow. Or... I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a leg sinker. So in the pool, there's no salt. So there's no buoyancy. Um, and then when you race in the ocean, there's salt and you're wearing a wetsuit uh -huh. um, and that elevates you like massively. Um, so I, I draw my strength from my upper body um, and that's very good for triathlon because you actually try and minimize, especially over the longer events like Ironmans, um, you try and minimize the damage to your legs in the swim. Sure. So you've got yeah. on the run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I remember you very clearly um, around end of high school, start of the fast probably where you were quite into like more the weight training side of things. Yeah. Um, more the physique uh, side yeah. of things. And then I do remember your transition into, into the endurance sports where I think besides the activity, just, you, I mean, you can't be that muscular sitting on a bike. Yeah. Um, so I know that you lost quite a bit of, of muscle mass and then you were working toward the speed. Um, yeah. and then out of this, you've done pretty, pretty well. I think I watched you once in a, in a full Ironman. I think it was probably your first that I might Yeah, have that was 2017. Um, and if I, you might have to just correct me, you placed fairly well in your age category. Yeah, I won my age category. Um, won your age category. and then... Yeah, that, that was uh, Ironman South Africa, yeah. um, and that was in 2017, and that was my first Ironman event. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, got to, I've got to pause you there as something came into my head. Um, I think it was you that still, you, you put out a, a statement or a post to say that people kept going, oh, you're ready for, to do a full Ironman, and you said something where you like, your body has to be ready to be able to endure the full Ironman. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So just for those that, that also like me, not too educated, um, what do you mean that you were rather wait to be a certain age or your for your body yeah. to be able to do the full Ironman? Why is it not smart to do it at eighteen or nineteen years old? You know, I think the biggest thing, Jace, that like people don't get um, is that like health should always be your first priority and too often people become so performance driven that they actually like neglect their health. I know that that sounds like weird, but you know, sometimes people might starve themselves to try and lose weight and um, they might overtrain. So they try and do too many hours. Um, and obviously that, that causes you to, you know, break down your body. Um, you know, you become very like mentally fatigued and, for me, like it's all about timing and it's all about natural progression, you know, and, you know, as an athlete, your, your body actually only really is at its full endurance capabilities, like between the ages of, I'd say 30 and 38 years old. So very often you have guys come into the sport and they like, you know, 22 and they're like, Oh my gosh, Ironman, like I want to do it. Um, you know, they, they throw everything in and they, they start training for this massive event and they got no idea what it actually takes to prepare for the event. Mm. And then they train themselves to an absolute pulp 
Um, they overtrain, you know, they rock up on race day, they're mentally fatigued mm. and then they don't have a good race. Um, so then their experience with the race is negative. And very often you'll find that those kinds of athletes come in and leave the sport quite quickly. Um, so for myself, it's, it's all about longevity. And, you know, when I started, like, I want, I want to be able to do the sport until the age of like 60, 70 years old, if, if possible, if my body allows me that, um, because I enjoy the lifestyle, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so for me, my, my goal was I needed to do 10 half Ironmans or I needed to be over the age of 26 before I did my first full. Um, and when I was 25, I'd already done more than 10 half Ironmans. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, do I feel like I'm ready to take on the full, not physically necessarily, but also mentally, because it's not the race that's hard. It's the training that's hard. Preparing for the event is hard. Yeah. Um, and that's where all the sacrifice comes in. And trust me, it's, it's hectic. Like you, you sacrifice a lot. So, um, so that, the, that the, the reason for waiting is not, more for the physicality because your muscle, your body is not ready for the endurance. Is it more yeah. experience and the mental? The I would mental. say both. I, I would say both. Definitely both. Um, physically, you know, if, if you prepare your, broad, your body for an Ironman and you know what you're getting into and you do the, the amount of training that is required for you to be prepared for the day, then you will be fine. And you can actually do that then at age 23 or age 24. No problem. Um, so, but so you've got to be willing, you've got to be willing to commit. You were 27 by the time you did your first. Or how you yeah, I think I was 20. I think I actually turned 27 the day of Ironman. So hectic. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I turned 27 the day of Ironman. So you had done quite a bit of, bit of, Prep and halves leading up. Yeah, I done I done seventeen half Ironmans, um, and I mean a half Ironman is is also quite a big event in terms of you know duration and and volume, um, and I had really prepared well for my first Ironman, you know, so I put in the work. Um, I was mentally and physically ready to race, um, and and that was it. You know, I'm a I'm a really big big believer in preparation. Um, and I believe that if you prepare for something, there's no reason why you can't, you know, do it successfully. Mm -hmm. And you say it's, this is also what fascinates me. So whenever I watch the, the fools, um, it's not your typical athlete look that comes yeah. across. So when I watch the people yeah. come out of that ocean, there's all ages, all shapes, all yeah. sizes. It's not your typical lean physique you know, a little yeah. athlete that's coming out of there. Um, and then I go, okay, well, let's, you know, let's see. Then you get to the run and you get those ones that you don't even think can run a 5K. And yeah. they, they do <laughs> they're running a marathon. They're doing <laughs> already on their run in the Ironman. Um, yeah. so for sure, I, I think besides, like you said, the, the, the preparation and the nutrition and the experience, this also, this is the main, the main, yeah. this will fail Massively. the body usually. Um, There's a lot of athletes that are out there that have got the physical capacity, but don't have the mental capacity. And 
those so so for me it's it's in a sense more towards mental capacity than physical capacity so what that means is that like if you had to do a 50 50 kind of ratio i'm probably 60 to 65 percent mentally stronger than what i am physically talented mm-hmm. if that makes sense and and in, and first of all what what's the highest uh, uh status or level of race that you've competed in up until today my, the, the biggest race that I've competed in is the Ironman World Championships. And that, that was in 2017 as well. This is the one in yeah. Kona? Yeah, that's in Kona. Yeah. All right. And I've also heard then that that one was, that's a tough race, no doubt. <laughs> in the climate. Yeah. Um, tell me, what, what goes through your mind, whether it be in that race, whether it be in a full Ironman, where everyone will have their own little, uh, you know, ebbs and flows, like their peaks, yeah. real down times. Um, I've heard a lot where the people go, it's when, when you don't have the crowd, you don't have spectators, it's just yeah. an open road where your brain like can swift in all different directions. How do you personally, and also yeah. to a coach, so how do you also try to help prepare your, your athletes mentally for those moments where, you do take the dip. You don't have a crowd. Yeah. You, might, you might be cramping. You start second guessing yourself. How do you? Yeah. How do you personally? And yeah. how do you train your athletes mentally to uh, to try step over those those dips? Yeah. Yeah, I think again, it, it all comes down to it all comes down to preparation and training. Um, you you've got to be willing to take yourself into those dark places in your training. Um, And you've got to learn how to get comfortable with that dark place in your training. You'll never really be comfortable. I mean, but if you've never been there before and all of a sudden, you know, you get whacked in a race, it's it's going to be very ugly. Um, So I think a big thing is obviously physical preparation making sure that you can actually go the distance because that gives you a sense of confidence knowing that you've done this before and that you can do it. It's just a matter of getting out of that place um, because there is ebb and flows, as you, as you mentioned. No, no. Sometimes you feel fantastic and sometimes you feel horrible. So that is probably the biggest um, and most important thing about an Ironman is, is knowing when to hold back when you're feeling great so that you have the discipline. Um, and we, we hope that our athletes never really get into that kind of dark place in the race. Um, but it does happen. Isn't it's inevitable. It, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Isn't it just one of those things that no matter how yeah. you train, there probably will be some point where you, I mean, even if you achieve yeah. you, you leading the race, I'm mm. sure the, the race leaders have their moments of, you know, the down, they just obviously yeah. enough to try get themselves out of that, that hole. Yeah. So I'm actually very lucky because I've had both experiences. Um, my first Ironman, I was in full control the entire race and I did not once feel like I was going to, um, blow or like what they call implode. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that was a really great race and, and it was a well executed race for me um so i never really went into like very dark places in that event um but then when i went to kona and 
was actually on the island and I was training on the island. Um, the Monday before the race, I actually hit a car on the, on the Queen K highway, which is like, that's the main like highway that the athletes cycle on. Um, and what that meant then was that like, I wasn't able to run the whole of the week before the race. So in the race, I then got off the bike and I was actually in a really good position. Um, I think I was then ninth in my age category. Um, and my goal was to then run a three hour, 20 minute, a three hour, 20 minute marathon. Um, I ran a three hour, 14 marathon in South Africa. So the goal was realistic. Um, but because I had not run the entire week before the race, um, my body basically what they call over tapered, which is, which means that I rested my legs too much for the run. Um, so by the time I got into the run, I had absolutely nothing in the tank. Um, and my body just didn't want to cooperate. Like I didn't bark too hard, nothing. I was actually feeling good off the bark. Um, but my body just didn't want to go. And that, that was, that was by far the hardest day of my life. Like I've never had to go through anything as hard as that. Um, that was my or because mentally and physically, like it was so bad mentally. Did you get through it though? I'm not aware. Yeah. So what actually happened then, and this is what I'm going to get at now is, is I had to then like make decisions you know and i trained like for six months throughout winter and there was a lot of sacrifice and yeah. you know so i started tapping into into those kinds of things you know thinking of people back home mm -hmm. um you know thinking of the time away from like you know spending time with carla and my family and some of my friends mm -hmm. because of my training um and my mind was literally just telling me like just pull out like you don't need to do this to yourself um, and that, that for me was the hardest mental battle I've ever had to go, like go through. And, um, yeah, I had to, I had to make decisions within the race and I, I actually then, you know, thought, okay, well, my goal of going under 10 hours is completely out the window. Um, and I'm probably going to run well over four hours in this marathon. Um, I was literally three kilometers into the marathon, which means that I had 39 kilometers to go. And it was my second ever marathon. My first ever marathon was Ironman South Africa. And I already had nothing in the tank. So I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. This is just like ridiculous. Um, so I actually had to adopt a new strategy. And that's exactly what I did. Um, it, didn't, it didn't make it any easier. But basically what I decided was that I was going to run between every single aid station. And I was going to walk the entire aid station. Um, and I did that for the entire 39 kilometers left. I ran between every aid station and then I walked. Um, every aid station, I took in my nutrition. I used my sponges, ice blocks, all of that kind of stuff yeah. Um, yeah. to keep my body's core temperature down. And then, yeah, I noticed that every aid station that I went through, I lost... Um, one second per kilometer. So if I went into the aid station at five minutes a K, I would come out the aid station at 5.01 minutes per kilometer. Yeah. So if I could just yeah. keep running at that constant speed between the aid stations and lose that one second every aid station, um, I could still have a respectable run. Mm -hmm. 
and mm -hmm. so I ended up running a 341 and I did a nine hour 39 I think um, wow. but it was yeah I mean I'm grateful that I was still able to pull that off um, but it doesn't change the fact that it was like by far the hardest thing I've ever had to endure um, and I, I also didn't get what I was going there for um, <laughs> So, but that, that's life. And I mean, that happens, you know, and, and as an athlete, you're going to have disappointments. Like it's, it's inevitable. Um, and you need to, you need to learn to deal with those kinds of disappointments. But um, it was still a, a something that I needed to process uh, after the race. But, but once, once going through something like that, where, okay, in this, this instance, it was very physical that uh, yeah. battling first. Um, yeah. Doesn't it make you feel just that extra bit stronger if you have to go into something else or not? Yo, I think that it will. I mean, I'm a straight shooter, bro, and I speak open and honestly. And um, that, that was so deep and dark that like it actually, it like actually did damage, like, men like mentally. Um, and I just, I just can't, I just couldn't imagine going back into that, you know, um, and it's taken me, it took a while actually to recover from that, to be honest. And I'm now starting to feel like my mind is getting a lot stronger again. Um, I'm really able to push harder in training. You know, when the going gets tough, I'm able to like push through and endure. Um, whereas the mental fatigue that I got after that race, um, it sat with me for a, at least a year and a half to two years. And I almost became like, in a sense, a little bit like afraid of that place again. And every week we tap into those places as athletes, like we, we're going deep in training. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's like I say, you, you've got to become comfortable with that place. And I became, it, 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 that place for me in Kona was very uncomfortable. Um, so I did struggle, yeah. But I'm glad that you got through. I'm very glad that you yeah. got through. And I think you got through it pretty well, uh, even you know, with the time, time and all that. Um, talking about going into the dark place and, and in your training, um, we'll tap into what you're doing now with coaching and everything. Um, as you can see, it's Brandon in your cap. Uh, but now during the lockdown period, I see it became even more popular with uh, Zwift training? I'm yeah, Zwift, yeah. Okay, so just yeah. briefly explain to, to everyone watching who's not aware I am, but whoever's uh, not aware what Zwift is. Yeah, so Zwift is actually an online platform um, which is used for training, and it's actually a virtual world. Um, it's absolutely incredible. Like... I mean, technology in the world just keeps flipping, blowing our minds. Um, and Swift is just like, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that is really, really cool. Um, and they've done an incredible job. And basically, like what it is, is um, we use smart trainers, um, which are Bluetooth like compatible, um, and they use power. So um, watts. So like, if I push down and let's say for instance, for like a minute, I'm pushing like really hard um, and I'm holding 400 Watts for one minute. Um, then that 400 Watts would be 
translated into Swift. And then my site list in the virtual world would then ride according to the power output that I'm pushing. Um, but it literally takes everything into account. It, it takes your weight, it takes your height, um, it takes your gradients on the different courses, your uphills, your downhills, your flat roads. Um, you can even do like races. And what's really cool is that you can cycle with anyone um, anywhere in the world. Like as long as they've got like an internet connection and they've got a smart trainer in Swift. Um, so yeah, Swift was actually like a savior for us as coaches during lockdown. Um, obviously because we were confined to our homes, so we couldn't actually train outdoors and we couldn't train with anyone. Yeah. So Zwift became the big thing, you know, and, and, and it's quite social from what I'm aware, like yeah, you jump sure. on your cycling buddies or, you know, whoever, and, uh, you can actually see each other riding, you know, on the screen. Yeah. Am I correct? I've seen one so, of I'm, so I'm actually a very big believer, um, in indoor training and, Fortunately for us, we were actually doing a lot of uh, Zwift riding before lockdown already. Um, so we already knew the platform really well and, and we knew the software. Um, so it was quite easy for us to kind of, you know, adopt that strategy going into lockdown. And um, I mean, some mornings we literally had like 70 riders on a Saturday, like in the virtual world, Incredible. like all cycling together. Um, We've done some races, like it's it's really been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um and yeah, like it's it's really, you know, I would say if anyone needs a little bit of extra mental stimulation when they're training indoors, then Swift is definitely the way to go. Um and what's nice as well Sorry. is that you can also run on Swift. Where it connects to the treadmills. Or yeah, so you can connect it to a treadmill or you can actually connect it to a foot pod that you put on your running shoe also via Bluetooth, um, and then it actually picks up the speed that you're running on the treadmill, and then it will actually then, um, your avatar in Swift will then run, let's say, at five minutes per kilometer. Sure, sure. So it's pretty crazy, yeah. Really? <laughs> and, and I know that you've got what you call the, the pain cave, which is your garage yeah. converted into, uh, for those who don't know, he's, he puts pictures up quite often and videos where he's got his bike in front of a big plasma screen and that's where your yeah. it is. So it feels like you probably in the, yeah, yeah. In the real world, in the virtual world. Um, <laughs> and that's your, your sweat cave and pain cave. And yeah. you call it your pain cave because that's the place where obviously now during lockdown, you take yourself into those dark places. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, with music, what what's your stimulation? Yeah, I just uh, I I really enjoy my music, and um, I listen to like a lot of EDM. Um, I, I really like Tomorrowland and mm -hmm. Ultra Music Festival, and mm -hmm. you know those kinds of uh, concerts yeah. and stuff. Um, and that that's what gets me fired up. So, yeah, when I'm when I'm really bleeding in a training session, then I generally tap into into a little bit of EDM and. And that helps me get through sometimes. <laughs> um, all right, let's jump into uh, last but not least your Matrix. Am I pronouncing it right? Matrix Multisport. Yeah, yeah. So this is a company that you founded. Yeah. Uh, um, did you found it by yourself, or you had a partner that that created it with you? 
at the start? Yeah, I've actually got a partner in with me. Um, his name is Carl Mangan. Oh, a very, very good friend of mine. Also lives here in Port Elizabeth. Um, and the two of us actually started Matrix together um, last year in June. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we've just really been loving it ever since. So, so for, for those that uh, might be interested in tapping into one of the, the sporting aspects, the cycle, run, swim, or, or the, the virtual, um, yeah. what, if, if I'm someone that I'm not you know, an athlete, I'm not super fit, I can train, I'm, you know, I'm fairly okay, but I'm not super fit, um, and I'm interested in, let's say, just improving my cycling, what, yeah. what do you provide me as an aspiring athlete? That yeah. I don't want to do it competitively. I just want to do it for mm. fun, keep fit, into some competitions, but I don't want to become a world champ. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that, that people need to realize, you know, and, and um, I think very often, like people, when they look at a squad like ours, they, they think that you almost need to be at a certain kind of level um, in order to be part of the team, mm. which, is, which is really not the case. I mean, yes, we do have a lot of very, very good athletes. Um, you know, that are super competitive and we've got some professionals um, and stuff like that. But the bulk of our squad actually makes up those athletes that have got, you know, health as their main priority and staying in shape and maybe doing their first Ironman or wanting to better themselves, you know, as, as people or beat their personal best time from a previous race. Um, And I'd say 70% at least make up the bulk of our squad um so you know we we really do work with athletes of all levels and it doesn't matter you know like you said now you you just want to improve your cycling you want to get fit you want to stay in shape and you don't necessarily want to be competitive and that that's you know perfectly fine we we work with a lot of athletes like that and i think the biggest thing with coaching is um it's definitely the the accountability of having a coach um, because it's not then as easy just to be like, uh, yeah, it's like a day day today. yeah, so there is that accountability. Yeah. Um, and obviously the structure, which is also really, really important, you know, mm-hmm. and the structure is not determined by the coach. The structure is determined by the coach and the athletes. So it's a relationship that is formed. Um, and the coach then asks the athletes all about their lifestyle and figures out what is going to be the best structure for them. And that's how they work it out, you know. Um, so not all the athletes are on the same programs and, you know, everyone's doing different training hours and different sessions on different days. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, it, it definitely can be beneficial for anyone. Um, literally, like, whether you've ridden a bike or you haven't, like, because they because they're tapping into your expertise and your knowledge um, yeah in what to do plus then like you say having the accountability uh, yeah I mean even even I've got a coach you know and and that's what I do for a living so you know I coach athletes and I honestly can't coach myself like I I just I can't because Um, you're accountable to someone else I need accountability as well yeah yeah and and that accountability is massive I mean like today, I've got a busy day and I'm like, you know, I've got a swim and like my body's quite smashed from the weekend. Like maybe I must just leave the swim. And then I'm like, no, 
but my coach is like gonna check and then gonna see on your your profile. It's not that like he's a drill sergeant and he's gonna like you know shred me broken for missing a session. Mm. Um, but it, it does give you that extra little that little extra kick you know that you need um, to get to those sessions that you're not keen for. Yeah. Oh, 100. Uh, the anything from a personal trainer to even if you're gymming and you or riding in the morning, you wake up at 5:30, you're going riding by yourself. You you know, where there's not so great, you might just lie and yeah, a bit more. Exactly. Hundred percent. Example that's yeah. meeting you at a point. You don't want to let him down, and probably even if he feels the same way, he doesn't want to let you down. Yeah. So you both meet there, not knowing that you both actually didn't feel like it. You but both weren't keen, but and I can guarantee you that you both wouldn't have been keen. Hundred percent. That's I, I mean, I've I've had this experience as well, where yeah. I feel like I get there, apart my training partners like. I didn't feel like it. I was like, oh, neither did I, but I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. I didn't want to let you. And those are the best, those are the best sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Where you just, while we're here, let's, yeah. let's just put our head down and go. Cool, man. Well, the, uh, uh, let's do a quick plug here for those who might be interested in um, just having a side trainer, whether it be virtually or in real person. Cause I think you, you mix it up. You do real life as well. Plus, plus, Follow everyone on the virtual, yeah. virtual yeah. side. Um, so for those, mainly, people, mainly real life actually. <laughs> real life, but of course you've changed. You've, I'm sure you've changed your structure. Yeah, yeah. COVID and, and everything that's happened. Um, so for those that are, um, for those that are interested, where can they find you or your page or your yeah. website or your coaching staff or? Yeah, so the guys, they can go and have a look at www.matrixmultisport.com um, or they can go check us out on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Matrix Multisport. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you'd pretty much be able to find all of, all of the necessary information um, on either of those platforms. And a quick question, do you, have, uh, do you have different coaches or is there only like you and Carl? Or how, how did you coach yeah, we've got, we've got eight coaches. Um, and we've got yeah three coaches that live in PE and two coaches that live in Cape Town and two coaches that live in Johannesburg and one coach that lives in Pretoria. Okay, so then so I'm guessing depending on where you live, you'll be assigned that coach. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is up to the athletes at the end of the day, um, but I do always uh offer the athletes you know that live in joburg the opportunity to train with a joburg coach and i would always recommend that definitely yeah well i'll pop all of that stuff up uh after we're done i'll throw all those links up so that people can find and follow and connect with you i know that you're always busy on whatsapp with the athletes because they've got <laughs> uh um i browsed through your website the other day actually when you posted yeah. on the team and uh, I see that everyone's got their WhatsApp contact details. So that's like yeah. the immediate, <laughs> the immediate um, uh, personal connection, I guess, that you can have in yeah. with your coach, which is great. Cool, man. Um, anything that you want to add before we, we wrap this up? Anything, any uh, thoughts, any um, important points that you think uh, are viable for people that might be watching or listening? Yeah, I think that um, it's been a very cool chat and uh, I'm sure that we could go on for days. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, re I really do appreciate the time. And I think from my side, you know, there's there's nothing really more to to dig into. Um, 
Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, I think, I mean, we could go on for ages about uh, yeah. about, on for ages, about yeah. your journey because like yeah. we were swimming together since seven years old. Um, yeah, so I'm quite you know quite familiar, but there's a lot of things that I'm I, I've really missed along your your journey and your career, which are interesting. But I thought yeah. hey, let's just hit the. Hit no, the I think it's great, Brian. I mean, we've we've definitely touched on you know the most important things, um, and yeah, like you know, I'm I'm really. Just glad that everything is slowly but surely getting back to normal, um, you know, after this crazy time that we've been in. Mm. And I think just to, yeah, say to everyone out there that might watch this, you know, like, I know it's easier said than done, but just, you know, try and stay positive and, you know, keep looking after yourselves. Um, you know, life is going to get back to normal. And, yeah, you've just got to, you've just got to, you know, adapt to the circumstances that we're in um, for now. And, I think that that's something that we've managed to do fairly well, you know, with Matrix and with the athletes and, um, and it's, it's paid off big time, you know? So yeah, I think just, you know, stay positive and I don't know what it's like over there in Budapest, but uh, it's still pretty decent here in South Africa. Um, and sometimes I really just have to pinch myself and be like, geez, is this even real? Like, you know, what's been going on? Um, but yeah, I think, I, I, I appreciate you and uh, I, I see you growing not only you know, as a person and an athlete, but I see you growing in your entrepreneurial side with the business, um, which interests me a lot because yeah. you know, many, many years ago, I wouldn't have put you as an um, entrepreneur. entrepreneur, yeah, to someone. Yeah. But of course, you let your passion lead the way, um, yeah. rightfully so. And, uh, and of course, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and hard work have gone into what you're doing. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm super happy with where you where you clearly at, and I I wish you and Carl don't leave him up, but I wish both of you yeah ton of success going going forward with Matrix, especially. Um, and I hope that you sure, yeah, and I'm sure that you're going to be changing athletes and just normal people's lives um, quite often. With with joining, we hope we hope so. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty sure that you do. Uh, I've I've seen what you do um, from afar, and I've even seen you at some uh, some events. And you people are very supportive. You there, you're watching, you're guiding. So keep it up, keep it up. Shot, Jace. Cool, everyone. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed this. Um, a nice little catch up and chat with uh, my good friend, Sir Richard Laurie. Um, Please, at the end, go like, go share this with whoever might be interested, family, friend, cousin, whoever that uh, might be interested in the sport or just want to get a little bit more fit, especially after lockdown. And uh, go check out, I'll drop all the, the URLs and the links below in the chat. I appreciate you. Um, and for everyone else, stay healthy, stay safe. Until next time, this is Coffee and Perspective 007 with Mr. Richard Allen. Laurie. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> Shot, Jase. Cheers, bro. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Coffee and Perspective. If you enjoyed it, please go like, rate, review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to this as your feedback will mean a ton to me. Until next time, cheers.